teenage fan club Rickenbacker Strings means it's it's time for Near Perfect Pitch. Episode 34, yes, episode 34, is coming your way as of now. Well, I've raced over here right after work. And uh, to those of you who do live in the, uh, the vicinity, Ottawa is absolutely coated in uh, an absolute blanket of snow uh, that seems to be relentless, uh, which makes driving all the more pleasurable. So I'm a stress ball, as they say. Uh, so I'm trying to uh, get my yogic breathing sorted out in the hopes that I can uh, actually deliver a programme that's, that's worth any merit. Um, there's going to be a whole load of different musical styles uh, this, this week. Um, you're going to have to be prepared for some noise because I'm delighted to uh, have uh, Ray Hansen, Ray Sonic Hansen from The Hypnotics. Uh, he is the feature interviewer, as I'd alluded to uh, last week. Very, very excited to share that with you. That's going to be at the end of the programme. And uh, Ray did talk an awful lot, for which I'm grateful for. Um, no stone was left unturned. Uh, when it came to uh, to chit-chatting about what he's been doing, what's forthcoming, uh, his side projects, etc., etc., etc. So I had uh, said last week that there was a chance that I would um, have another interview in the same programme, uh, specifically uh, Pat Fish of, of The Jazz Butcher. Spoke to Pat and um, had a great little chat. So I'll have uh, that in its entirety next programme. So next week we'll have uh, The Jazz Butcher as the feature interview. This week it's, it's Ray from uh, The Hypnotics. And uh, in subsequent weeks, uh, I'm hoping to have, uh, in a couple of weeks for you, uh, The Darling Buds, who have a new record out, if you can believe it, 20-odd years on from the last one. And um, who else have we got? Well, actually, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. That, that's uh, the interview situation for the next uh, two, three weeks laid out for you. Um, let's look at new releases this week as I scroll down my little chicken scratch here. Oh, brand new stuff from uh, Public Service Broadcasting, uh, a new uh, teaser track called Progress brilliant brilliant stuff we're going to play the only song by the god that i've not played to date uh, massive announcement uh, yesterday actually that uh, the god so chuffed for them as i am the blossoms both of them uh, manchester band and a stockport band so essentially greater manchester um they're going to be supporting the stone roses at uh, wembley in june which is absolutely stupendous so fair play to them uh metal ethel which i didn't get to the last couple of weeks been bumped and bumped and bumped i will play you le des sorcières en français à la popo à la magasin uh-huh. uh, also new stuff believe it or not i've got my got my pledge in uh, new stuff by uh, by skids um, and we're going to hear a track called uh, A World on Fire with Richard Jobs and belting out the vocals. New stuff from uh, the Pigeon Detectives as well. Going to hear a track called uh, Wolves off their, uh, their latest full length. And what else have we got here? We've got the usual um, Tinterweb time, which is interesting, as it always is. The obligatory fall off track is uh, is always a part of the uh, of the proceedings. Cinnamon Girl is our cover version of the week, a Neil Young song, as done by Loop. And when did they do that? Rack my memory. I think it was about 1998. I'll stick my neck on the line and I can corroborate that later on when I actually have a, a record or a CD in my hand. And the essential wax this week is This Is The Sea by an outfit who you're familiar with, I'm sure, called The Water Boys. But for now, we're going to go to Leeds and we're going to hear the music.
the rather superb Swerve Driver. That's from uh, 1998's 99th Dream, their uh, fourth studio LP. And that's the lead track and title track, 99th Dream, preceded by uh, the music from uh, 2002 on Hut Records from uh, their self-titled debut. And that's an album track called Float. Uh, the music, I met them a couple of times when they were uh, touring uh, the first two records and uh, I think their mean average age was about 16. They're defunct now, which is a bit of a shame, but uh, they did uh, release a lot of really raucous, uh, almost naive rock and roll, which I think, uh, as you're starting out, is okay. If you perpetuate with that, then it's probably not a good thing. But uh, that naivety really did uh, produce at least a stellar first LP from which uh, Float is pulled. Um, Next, it's time for a request. And if you do want to hear something, you can. You can just reach out, not literally, but uh, you can email me at nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. All of the... uh, the main uh, meat and potatoes of uh, what what I do is at nearperfectpitch.com. Um, so I say this often, but uh, obviously you're listening and you've got your hands on the uh, the show uh, via whatever means, but uh, you need to know what your options are, don't you? Um, so iTunes is an option, Google Play is, um, TuneIn Radio is an option uh, with their new uh, UI interface I see on the, on, the, on the app that's been updated this week and also on the host site which is uh, Podbean and I take great care and attention to uh, line list every song and every uh, uh, website URL of pertinence that has any degree of relevance to what I've been, been doing or playing so there you have it so do follow me and do share as I, as I always try and plead is that I'm a one man operation and um, as I say, ran here from work with my bag of records to play a load of music for you lot in the hopes that you enjoy it. So if you do, please do me a favour and uh, and tag a friend. Next, as I said, it's a request. Jessica in Burlington. I'm not sh- sure actually if it's Burlington, Vermont or uh, Burlington, Ontario. Anyway, either way, she did ask for some Galaxy 500. <laughs>
Ferries Merchants. That's Loop. And that's uh, one of the tracks of this uh, rather lovely compilation that came out in uh, 1989 on Caroline Records, entitled The Bridge, a tribute to Neil Young. And uh, as you'd expect, it's a load of bands doing Neil Young songs, including uh, Victoria Williams, uh, Flaming Lips, Loop, Nick Cave, Pixies are doing Winter Long, Dinosaur Jr. do lots of love. Henry Kaiser does a medley there with the needle and the damage done in tonight's uh, the night. Henry Kaiser's on there as well, uh, as well as um, what else? Oh, Bongwater as well. Now Neil Young's wife, um, who's called uh, Peggy, she actually is the champion of uh, the Bridge School in Hillsborough, California, and uh, it's really an innovative uh, school uh, that uh, educates children with uh, severe speech and uh, physical impairments. And all the proceeds for this record went to the school, and this record still sells today, and every penny goes uh, towards funding the school and all the good work that they do in that neck of the woods in in California. So there you have it. That was our cover version of the week, and uh, preceded by uh, Galaxy 500, Dean Wareham and the crew from 1988 off uh, today, their first of three studio records. And uh, that's for Jessica. Thank you for emailing me. It's much appreciated. And now it's time for this week's Obligatory Fall.
from the album 13 on Creation Records, uh, released in 1993, the lead track and also a single, Hang On, uh, by the aforementioned Teenage Fan Club. And before we heard the fan club, we heard Sparta FC, uh, number two. Uh, there are uh, three versions of this song, if you're a Fall fan. Um, the uh, the album that the, the track appears on is uh, the real new Fall LP, which was released previously under the guise of Country on the Click. And this is the version of the single from 2004. Hope you're all clear, because I wouldn't want you thinking you'd heard a different version. That would be a travesty, wouldn't it? Here's some ash. Thank you. 
Star Men that are Hooton Tennis Club, and that's a powerful Pierre P O W E R F U L P I E R R E. For those of you who want a spelling lesson, that's from the debut uh, long player entitled uh, Highest Point in Clifftown that was released in 2015 on Heavenly Records. They've had uh, another album since then, towards the end of last year. It was released and it's called uh, Big Box of Chocolates, and I've played uh, a few tracks from that uh, over the course of time. And before we heard the wonderful um, Hooten Tennis Club, we heard Northern Ireland's Ash with the Angel Interceptor on Infectious Records from 1995, and that's from their 1977 entitled LP. That's enough to confuse you with the double dating there. Um, up next... It's a sullen little feature. Um, A couple of days ago, a musical icon um, passed, uh, and um, it was quite sudden. Uh, I would would imagine that those close to to John would have have known something about it, but uh, to the rest of us it came uh, very, very quickly indeed. I'm uh, talking specifically about John Lever, the... uh, the amazing, amazing uh, uh, drummer from uh, the Chameleons, amongst other bands, and uh, Red Sided Guard Snakes, which is which is his last project, um, sadly passed. As I mentioned, um, John also uh, lent his vocals to a ton of uh, Chameleons tracks over the years. And if you're a, a regular listener, you'll remember that I had a, a wonderful chat with uh, Mark Burgess, who essentially is the Chameleons. Uh, about uh, about 10, 11 months ago. Uh, Anyway, John is sorely, sorely missed. And here's a track that exemplifies his percussive prowess.
Oasis in their pomp from uh, 1995. That's the B-side to uh, Some Might Say. That's Acquiesce. It also appears on the Master Plan compilation uh, that came out in 1998. And uh, before we uh, heard the Oasis track, we heard Shades by the Chameleons from 2001's Why Call It Anything, their fifth studio LP. And that's a dedication to uh, anybody who uh, crossed paths or knew John Lever uh, of the Chameleons. Very sad to hear of his passing a couple of days ago. And uh, this song in particular goes out to Lisa Rankin if uh, you do stumble upon this, as I know you do listen from time to time. Very, very sad news indeed. But let's remember John uh, in all his glory because he was a drummer and a half. Time for a new release. It's time for some new public service broadcasting.
feeling cause of you Open up the windows, tear off the doors Maybe the rooftops are hidden under the floors It's a matter of great indifference to me How your biggest lie came true As a matter of fact I'm hollow But what does it matter to you? was swept away Look at you You're still swinging its branches While I'm floating away well, Now I'm shouting down To the forest of heads To the houses and the Bradford's Poppy Factory with their third and last single, I believe, entitled uh, Seven Times Seven. And that was preceded by brand spanking new stuff uh, from Public Service Broadcasting. And you can get that uh, teaser single from the Amazon iTunes type 
places, if you know what I mean. Um, and that, uh, interestingly enough, features the backing vocals. And the, the more astute of you out there will have recognised who it was. Uh, it's uh, Tracy Ann Campbell from uh, Camera Obscura. And I think that the female vocal touch their works rather, rather nicely. And uh, just to uh, keep you up to date, I think we are 11 or 12 tracks in. I'll have to uh, do some uh, recounting here. So uh, play about 30 songs every week. So uh, we're fast approaching uh, halfway through the programme. It's time for uh, the second instalment of our weekly Peel. And we're going to hear something from Elastica.
I don't think I'm going to change it. I've got emails saying that it's uh, it's such a piss off that I think out of spite I'm going to keep uh, playing that terrible, terrible modem sound as the introduction to uh, the weekly Tinterweb time. This week's Tinterweb time feature is a URL keepingitpeel.wordpress.com and the site is called Keeping It Peel commemorating the life of John Peel. Now the chap concerned goes to immense lengths to fastidiously put together playlists and podcasts that are thematic or otherwise so he might put together a podcast that are just full songs, he might just put together uh, a festive 50 as it was uh, wonderfully broadcast by John Peel himself in all its glory uh, every every December so this this website is is, is too big to, to to actually concisely say, oh, you've got to go here, you've got to go there. It's much like what I do. This chap uh, does this uh, for zero dollars and zero cents. Follow him at Keeping It Peel on, on Twitter. Um, very, very, very regular posts and updates, and I'm really, really impressed with the work that he's doing, and we're looking for synergies, actually, to, uh, to cross-promote each other's programmes. But if you do listen to this programme, which, of course, you are at the moment, uh, I highly recommend clicking through and listening to some of these wonderful tracks that... Uh, well, some of them have been lost forever, and I don't mean physically lost forever, but who knows what the BBC are going to do with a lot of these tracks in terms of ever releasing them. I'm lucky enough to have collected a whole load of Peel sessions over the over the years, but that's just a drop in the ocean in terms of the availability. And that doesn't even mention the BBC archives. We're just talking about Peel here. So, again, keeping it peel.wordpress.com. So... You're up to date with Tinterweb time, and we also uh, wanted to remind you that coming up next, we've got a whole load of uh, tracks that I promised to get to at the beginning of the programme, and we're going to culminate everything with uh, this wonderful interview with uh, with Ray Sonic Hansen of uh, The Hypnotics uh, and other outfits as well that you will learn of uh, forthcoming.
from their debut album on music records that's the heartbreaks uh, from 2012 uh, the album's called fun times and that's a song called jealous don't you know and uh, the second song that uh, the one that preceded it uh, the second of three songs in the hat trick it was a uh, steve mason who cut his teeth uh, with uh, the beta band but uh, he also went on to uh, record as king biscuit time and uh, as black affair and has three solo records uh, the song that we heard uh, was called fight them back it's a single and an album track from uh, 2013 13's Monkey Minds in the Devil's Time on Double Six Records and that's uh, on his second of third, uh, three, sorry, uh, studio records. And before that, the one that led off everything in our little hat trick there, that was The the Ruts uh, from The Crack uh, in 1979, uh, an LP on Virgin Records. Uh, and uh, it seems like yesterday, because I was only a kid at the time, but uh, Malcolm Owen um, overdosed on on, uh, on heroin uh, very, very soon after the recording of The Crack. And uh, the legacy of The Roots was really just two LPs before they uh, kept going, but it wasn't quite the same uh, without Malcolm Owen. So that was our uh, hat trick for this week, The Roots, Steve Mason and The Heartbreaks, in no particular order of, uh, of prominence, just three songs in in a random order and uh, I think my uh, amnesia I think there's residual amnesia left over from last week because I was having a terrible time with things remembering uh, the very basics last week uh, I think I forgot to mention with all this banter about uh, keeping it peel and, and uh, the tinterweb time I forgot to mention the songs that we heard uh, and if I'm if I'm doubling up then yeah, it's not, not a big deal is it really um, but we did hear uh, Shame On You uh, by the Darling Buds from 1988's Pop Said, a great album it is, uh, produced by Pat Collier, and uh, I'm really happy that they've got new material out. And as I mentioned at uh, the top of the programme, I'm hoping to be talking to uh, to Andrea in the next couple of weeks, which would be fantastic. And the actual Peel uh, track that we featured this week was from a 93 session uh, by Elastica, and that was... Uh, uh, the uh, the Peel Session version of Lineup, which I'm sure you're familiar with in terms of the original version. It's time for some Portishead. <laughs> Can't see in this morning's 
So used every single 
Leeds is the Pigeon Detectives with a song called Wolves and that's uh, pulled from their latest and fifth LP which was released I believe last week uh, called Broken Glances and uh, before the Wolves track we heard Only You from Said from Brastol that's their uh, third single off their uh, self-titled second LP from 1997 so I think we're up to date um, I did mention earlier in the programme two things of real poignance one stay tuned for a fantastic chit chat with ray sonic hansen of uh, the hypnotics and other ventures so uh, make sure you're uh, you're up and ready for that one because there's going to be lots of guitar uh, and another thing of of importance is that the stone roses have announced a wembley gig in june but even more important than that uh, as i'm really happy for the people concerned uh, the god and uh, from from Manchester via via Newcastle um, and uh, Blossoms from Stockport. They are on the support roster along with, I believe, Sleaford Mods. So, the G.O.D. 
spoke to Chris Bridget a few weeks ago on the programme. So if you missed that one, shame on you. Go back and listen to it because it's well worth a listen. And uh, I've been playing a lot of Blossoms, as you well know. So I'm going to be playing a song by each of them because it's relevant, isn't it?
That's Blossoms from Stockport, and that's an album track called Tessia. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, with the old Portuguese X. And I uh, wanted to talk more about this record. Um, you, you know I've played a lot of songs from it. Uh, I encourage you to go and buy it, of course. Uh, there's also a limited edition version that has uh, double the tracks, essentially. And uh, you can snag that, I believe it's still available. I think they're going to be large. And by large, I mean gargantuan. Um, they are that good. Do give them a listen and listen to every album track because there are just singles galore on this particular record, their only record to date. And uh, before we heard Stockport's Blossoms, we heard the G.O.D. That's Chris Bridget's new outfit. And that's the first song of their only EP to date. Uh, and uh, actually the EP's called Grafters of Denton, by the way. But so that was Drive Away the Rain. And I reckon them's going to be big and all. It doesn't hurt that uh, they've got support slots with the Stone Roses. That's wonderful stuff. But I'm just delighted for them all because it's a, it's a tightly knit group and I'm just absolutely blown away on a daily, weekly uh, basis how much wonderful music emanates from Britain's northwest.
from 1983. That's Tears for Fears, TFF, with uh, Pale Shelter uh, from the debut long player, The Hurting. And uh, prior to hearing uh, TFF, we heard a brand spanking new track by uh, by Skids. Uh, and if you want to get said record, pledgemusic.com slash projects slash the hyphen skids hyphen burning hyphen cities burning cities is the name of uh, the new lp and uh, you can pledge and get yourself a copy pronto by logging into uh, the aforementioned url and uh, i did also neglect earlier with uh, my usual amnesiac antics to mention that uh, uh, the bandcamp page for the god to get your hands on the grafters of denton EP. That's the uh, well, the URL is the g-o-d-mcr.bandcamp.com slash releases. Have no fear if you've got uh, the attention span of a goldfish and can't remember a thing much like myself. Um, you can always harp back to the, the notes that I provide for every programme so you won't miss a trick. There you have it. So we are suitably up to date and it's now time for our album feature of the week. This particular week, we're going to be hearing the merits and the wonderment that uh, is This Is The Sea by The Water Boys. And This Is The Sea was uh, released in in 85 and is the third Water Boys album. And um, hang on a second, can you hear that racket in the background? Got some sort of audio bleeding from the studio next door. I'm hoping that you can't pick up on it, but it's driving me a little bit batty. Anyway, it doesn't take an awful lot to get me uh, sidetracked, does it, really? Any road, uh, the third Waterboys uh, album, and uh, it uh, heralded the arrival of uh, of Stevie Wickham uh, on uh, the wonderful violin. The record itself is is, is sort of hailed as, as uh, the pinnacle of their output, although Waterboys are still putting out records and they're still very, very good. Although if I had to take one to a desert island, it would certainly be This Is The Sea. So we're going to start things off by hearing this particular track entitled Don't Bang The Drum.
as I uh, touched upon earlier, this record was the third Waterboys album and considered to be uh, the pinnacle of what uh, was deemed the big music sound, uh, a sound that uh, was really uh, attached to Mike Scott. Um, Mike Scott, uh, the senior member, songwriter of, of the Waterboys. He is the Waterboys uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, I also mentioned that it uh, it was the dawn of Steve Wickham uh, joining the band with his absolutely wondrous uh, violin playing, but it also marked uh, the last uh, participation of uh, Carl Wallinger. Um, didn't get on with uh, with Mike, didn't get on with each other. Uh, he left to form his own band that you may well have heard of, World Party, and they did uh, rather, rather well, and they were on Chrysalis Records for a, a long old time, and I think... Uh, Four albums that they uh, that they released over the course of time. This album was, uh, as I mentioned before, released in 1985, but it was uh, recorded and cobbled together all over the place, everywhere from Hastings to London to uh, uh, back to London again. So there's four studios in London here. There's Hastings. They're all over the place. However, it's a singularly wonderful piece of music. It's an album in the truest sense of the word. Uh, and as I mentioned last week when I launched the inaugural. Uh, Peel track feature. It meant that the the feature album track would only sorry the feature album uh, would only feature two tracks as opposed to three. So uh, it's not really a massive album feature, but it's a, a couple of tracks off a great album that you should own on a weekly basis. And uh, I'm going to play the title track. So if you haven't already bought this record, this should be more than enough to impel you to do so. Well, that was the river. And 
always has done and always will make the hair on the back of my neck stand up to attention that's uh, this is the sea the title track from uh, the water boys third lp preceded by don't bang the drum a two song sampler of an album that uh, you should dutifully own this is the sea go out and buy it if you've not got it if you've got it fair play to you maybe chuck it on the old turntable or uh, whatever you use nowadays to uh, to give it another listen because it is a stellar stellar record we're nearly at the end of the program whereby it's going to get noisy as i warned you um we're going to be talking to uh, to ray sonic hansen from the hypnotics and uh, his whores of babylon as well and uh, we've got one last track to get to one one last new release before we get to some wonderful guitar psychedelia it's time to hear the latest single by australia brisbane specifically uh, metal Ethel, and this is a song entitled Le des Sorcières. Thank you. 
Methyl Ethel. And that's a brand new release from the second LP, which was released just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, that's a song called uh, Le Desolcier. Uh, metalethel.com, metalethel.bandcamp.com is where you can uh, get all the goods. They're a 4, uh, 4AD uh, recording uh, artist. Uh, he is a 4AD uh, recording artist. Uh, but if you go to Bandcamp, the artist gets to keep more of the money, which is always nice, isn't it? So uh, I encourage you to do just that. So again, Metal Ethel from Brisbane, Australia. And... Um, Really, really, I'm in love with uh, this this record, and uh, I'll be playing more for, uh, from this particular LP uh, in the weeks to come. It is rather good. Now it's time to talk to Ray Sonic Hansen. But before I do that, I'm going to play uh, going to play a couple of songs to get you in mood. Now, if you're not aware of who uh, the Hypnotics were, they really did make a dent in the music scene when they arrived in their garage psychedelic uh, appearance. Uh, they were borderline psychedelic, they were borderline hard rock, they were enveloped by the Seattle scene, they were enveloped by the rock scene, the alternative rock scene, and uh, they gigged their asses off and gained quite a following, uh, one of which was myself. Uh, the band uh, were uh, derived from uh, a meeting in High Wycombe. I'm not going to go over everything in immense detail because uh, the conversation I have with Ray is uh, quite lengthy, quite detailed, quite fun and uh, really doesn't leave anything up for debate. Uh, everything is discussed so I don't want to, uh, to go into a lot of stuff that uh, Ray will quite uh, nicely repeat in the, in the forthcoming interview. So before I do that we're going to hear a song right now that uh, was procured by Ray himself nine times. <laughs> Shake their body 
superb from 1990 from uh, the half man half boy single that's the hypnotics with nine times as i mentioned uh, uh, just before i played it um ray picked the songs that i'm going to play himself so that was the first of three uh, the second one that we're going to hear is uh, off the um liver than god lp that was released uh in 1989, and across the pond, it was released uh, on Sub Pop uh, and uh, made quite a ripple, not just in the Pacific Northwest, but made a ripple in uh, what was then uh, the collegiate charts. And to this day, the hypnotics are lauded as being the best of their generation. And I find it hard to disagree with such a claim.
Well, that should get you in the mood. That's uh, All Night Long. That's the live version of uh, the live uh, The God LP that uh, saw light of day in uh, 1989. Now it's time to pass over to uh, Alternative Me and Mr. Ray Sonic Hansen, who is going to legitimately enlighten us all. I'll be back after this. All right. Right. Um, I guess we're on now. We're going, aren't we? Um, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're off. We're, we're off. <laughs> we're off. <laughs> um, yeah, well, what we were do- when we formed in 1985, end of 85, beginning of 86, we did some local gigs around High Wycombe, where we come from, where we were brought up anyway. I mean, I was born in Wembley in London, and Jim was born in Stretton. And then our parents went out there, so we did our primary school and secondary school out and Buckinghamshire out in High Wycombe. Yeah. Presswood, to be precise, a little village called Presswood. And myself and Jim kind of met, actually, when our mothers took us to church and trying to, you know, from their, uh, I suppose, Catholic upbringings, and you bring the kids to church, and then you get about 11, 12, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this, you know, sort of thing. But that's where I first set eyes on Jim, and, like, vice versa, we actually met there, funnily enough. Um, so, um Good church going boys, hardly really, but uh, <laughs> there you go. It's a dichotomy, it always is these things. Yes. But uh, um, so, anyhow, we did that. So, in 86, we we played around locally around High Wycombe, Ron Watts' old place, um, the Nags Head there in High Wycombe. I had a reputation for the pistols playing there in the 77. Mm. Um, kind of had a little reputation, the Nags Head. So, places like that. And then we ventured further afield to um, to hit London and played places like the George Roby and places like. And I want to and and in between that with Rats, actually Rats Cabies was kind of took us under his wing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, around that around eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven, came down to Wickham to chat with us, watch us rehearse, and and I'm not sure how we eventually hooked up with our first manager Steve Langdon. He's about six foot four kind of hippie type of dude who was living in Camden Way. Um, he was very into Hawkwind and uh, <laughs> you know, had a massive record collection. And he was just a music lover and his heart was in the right place for sure. And he kind of took us on board and then got us more gigs and we played all the original kind of ecstasy parties when it was connected with rock and roll before before it was connected with the dance scene in 88, yes. 89. Right. It was really, there was a, like more more 60s type clubs where, where and there were ecstasy clubs. We played with bands like, um, well, there was a band called the Purple Things and um, uh, a band called the Weeds that were really good. Yeah. Um, uh, a six, very great drummer called Malcolm, who's very Keith Moon, as was Mark Thompson. Our, our, our first drummer is very into Keith Moon and Mitch Mitchell. So, when we played one time at the George Roby and the PA hadn't worked, but I think our vibe and energy was good because we were buzzing and it was new and it's fresh and we were, you know, we before we'd do the gig, we'd watch Dolls and MC, our MC5 videos that we'd managed to somehow get onto VHS video from rare TV shows like, uh, uh, I don't know, The Tube or, do you remember those shows? Of like course, yes, yes. My childhood uh, and my youth, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when I see tube clips of Iggy or something with cramps, I was like, wow, oh, that takes me back. You know, because we, we'd sort of record that. We knew it'd be on. We'd be waiting all week for it. Yeah. Oh, Iggy's going to be on it. You know, the cramps going to be on it. And it was like gold dust, you know. It was. That. So 
there was us in High Wycombe getting it together, you know, getting all, all dolled up, nowhere to go, so they you know, <laughs> down to the Groby with a broken PA. And as it happened, I think Steve got a guy from Situation Two Babies, Roger Trust, possibly, he was our first AR guy, um, came down, the PA broke, everything kind of went wrong, but really our vibe, we gave it, you know, we, we gave it some mortgage, as they say. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, and they signed us on the back of that and a demo tape of us jamming some blues in a local village hall where we'd, we used to jam there and record it. And they said, have you got a demo tape? We go, well, we haven't really got a demo, but we've got us jamming stuff. And they thought, oh, the potential's good here. This, this could be a good little rock outfit, you know. So that's how they first signed us, was that gig in 1980, 1988, I believe. But yes. before that... We did have a single with Vinyl Solution, who were based in Portobello Road, the all night long Love in a Different Vein single. So that almost acted like a demo as well, I'm guessing, if, I, if my memory is correct. That was 87. Then I think they signed us end of 87, 88. And then we did the first single on Situation 2, which was that eight minute Justice and Freedom That's it. job. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, because the, yeah. the first stuff, I mean, unless you were. Literally, literally, your next door neighbour down the pub with you. That first release was quite elusive to record collectors. It was a very tricky one to get your hands on. Yeah, so I believe in hindsight, I've been told that um, that it was, you know, it's very difficult little single to get hold of. But uh, avid record collectors, I guess, and music lovers would search it out in second-hand record stores and and so on. But uh, yeah, because it had a very small distribution with vinyl solution. That's it. Um, and we recorded that down in Croydon, actually, with Dave Goodman, who did the Pistols. Who yeah. did, um, uh, so with Steve Langer, I think Steve helped get us connected with the Dave Goodmans of the world and the, and the London, that underground London circuit, Alice in Wonderland and uh, mm. George Roby. And, uh, we, we play, and we played with Spaceman 3 back then and people like that, you know, who were also on the up. And, uh, yes. Primal Scream, who I saw last night, actually, on the Scream of Delica classic album thing did you see that well uh, yeah i went uh, and i lived it as well it was it was that, that was a, that was a time and a half yeah i, I interviewed them yeah. once interviewed... well bobby and alan used to come down to those gigs in, in london or at brighton at the zap club um, yeah check us out but as from screen were kind of well they started maybe a year or two they're more indie then and they got a bit more rock and they they kind of liked our sort of uh, attitude and the uh, mc5 stooges new york dolls cramps kind of well, you, well, those your your two bands at that particular juncture, because their first record, Sonic Flower Groove, was really quite hippie and out there, yeah. and that was on that was on Warner. But their first album for Creation, which was their self-titled one, there's a lot of similarities with that record being really rocky prior to just being lucky with whether or you know re remixing yeah. that tune in, into into Loaded. But your first work and that first proper Primal Scream album, there are a lot of really cool similarities in the sound. Definitely. I mean, um, I think we have very similar record collections. I mean, I met Bobby a couple of years ago, but we went to see them at Primal Scream at the Brixton. Yeah. And had a quick chat with Bobby. So I know Little Barry, actually, who, who played guitar the other night at the gig that, that, that I did last Sunday with Jim. Yeah. Little Barry came on and guested, and he was playing guitar for Primal Scream, and... Uh, uh, we're just a lot in common, you know, the love of the blues and soul and rock and roll, really. You know, just a love of music, really. It's just a passion for uh, rock and roll. Every single, yeah, every single one of those. I mean, the one thing that, that you know, it's the first time I've actually spoken to you properly. And, and 
your enthusiasm it, it it's 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 palpable and the same thing is uh, there's a parallel there whether you're talking to Andrew Innes or Martin Duffy or Bobby yeah, Gillespie they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they don't want to talk they, about themselves they, they talk about the music they love and that's a that's a yeah. lovely thing to, to get into with artists definitely definitely and that that's where me and Jim connected at our love of music and you know our parents of like would be uh, my mum and his mum would be where have you been? It's eight o'clock at night. We left school at four. Then we'd go up, walk up the road from the school up the hill, and we'd be sat on the park bench into the darkness, just talking about our love of, oh, that'd be cool if we did that, and that'd be cool, oh, and the MC5, we've got to get hold of that. I hope they, you know, that beat club stuff comes on on the MC5. We go, oh, don't worry, I've got the video VHS, the old Beats Max, or we'll record it, you know, and, you know, so our love of, you know, and blues and the Stones and, you know, it just goes on, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's almost like, I, I, I don't want to, to chuck it. We also, to oh. be, have slightly older people, when we were 15, 16, mm. people who were 7, 19, who'd, ha who'd been old enough to be in that punk 1977 thing. Because in 1977, I was 11, and myself and Jim were 11, 12. Yeah. These people, 15, 16, and going to London to watch, you know, go down the ad lib or whatever, uh, the 100 Club, etc., and they had great record collections that we, myself and Jim and our other friends of our age, Bruce and Brian, were exposed to, you know. So that was a real leg up as well as far as getting educated. Absolutely. There's a lot of parallels. It's like it's like when you talk to a lot of uh, successful footballers, they played with their older siblings and, and uh, got that leg up. And you've got a lot, yeah. of a lot of parallels to my life. I mean, we're the same age. I mean, I'm, I've just turned 50 and... Uh, I, I was I was lucky to have a lot of lads on my street who were at the time three and four years older, which was a complete gulf in in age. Uh, they were going to the gigs, and I was I was riding there on my bike and 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 yeah. uh, lis listening through the gymnasium wall at the university. So that sure. that four years made a massive difference, didn't it? Because it, it you were between thirteen and fifteen, the difference there. Yeah, and then of course Carl, Carlton, who the guy I'm talking about, one of the Carlton and Ali who had this record collection and this um, um, experience, you know, punk and being a bit older. He was playing on Sunday as well. Um, Brilliant. It's a real kind of nostalgic in many ways. It was Jim Carlton and then little Barry who came in later. Who, who, his older sister got him into Hypnotics Records when he was 14. One, that's fantastic. So it all, it, all these dots get connected over the course of time. They do, they do yeah. It's and crazy, I, like, pixel puzzle that takes, you know, decades to get filled up, get see the full picture, you know. Well, it's full circle. Things it, come in full circles, you know, in a funny way. It is. Yeah. Every 15 years, there's a, there's a, there's a regenesis every 15 years. But, but in, talk, in, in listening to what you were just saying emotionally, you know, you, you're sitting there talking talking to Jim till, till it's pitch black and you missed your tea and you get in trouble with your mum and dad. It was, a yeah. wonder, it was a wonderful time because, as you were alluding to, you know, you, you look forward to things like the tube. You look forward to top of the pops yeah. because it was your only right. outlet. You get your you get your melody maker. You get your enemy. But when you found a soulmate like you did with Jim, you were you were yeah. immen you're immensely lucky because I, I've I've never been oh, yeah. able to find someone who is on the same plane of enthusiasm as myself. That's why I'm a I'm a bit of a loner and do a podcast because uh, with a global audience I'm going to, I'm going to be able to seek these these kind of people. But what you have with Jim and and that has developed with over the years 
It's a beautiful it's a thing. It's a blessing, that friendship. And lucky, because I know a lot of people don't have that sort of camaraderie when yes. they're that young with other like-minded people. Yes, that's it. Like you're, like you're saying with yourself. So you're out there trolling the second-hand stores on your own. But exactly. Oh, look, 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 the Blue Cheers first album. Look, you know, so <laughs> it, it was very lucky. when I, In hindsight, when you think about it, you get older and you don't take it for granted. You realise, God, it's lucky. It's lucky. Yeah, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you realise that because, you know, I, I would be doing that, finding that, that album and then sort of enveloping a complete stranger next to me. <laughs> it just doesn't, yeah. have, doesn't have quite yeah. the same appeal. So no, no, and, and and it's been great for our musical involvement with with the hypnotics and everything. With it's almost like therapy. We don't even have to explain. Yeah, know, it's, it's we know where we're at with a look, you know. Yeah, it's all unsaid, and and that that really is to me as, as a fan over the years listening to your music develop. One thing I've loved about your work is that you've made no bones about your influences, which. First of all, I love that because there there are so many that will uh, that will shirk the issue and and but no you you are you are blatant in your uh, yeah here it's pure it's just honest just to say it how it is uh, there's, yeah there's no shame but very proud to be to be lucky to have that exposure to the MC Fives and the Blue Cheers and yes just the crowd and, and have that sense of taste that that rounded sense of taste that. Uh, I, I see with other friends who like those bands, but got into it in another way. Um, but yeah, you help put all, like you said earlier, put all the dots together. You know, it all connects under this wide umbrella of what I just generally call rock and roll, whether it's Muddy Waters or uh, and Frank Sinatra's rock and roll. You know, as oh. much as the studio. Do you, you know what I mean? I couldn't, so couldn't agree more. It's all it's all about the it's all about the ethic behind uh, behind the delivery, and, and he was as rock and roll yeah. as anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, very lucky to have that friendship, and uh, there you know, little village called Presswood, and to be honest, there was me, Jim, Bruce, and Graham Flynn, who Jim went on to play with Black Moses with Graham, yes. did his band with Graham Flynn, we, we were all the same age, and then Ali and Carlton, and their group of people who were 18, 19, when we were all 14, 15, and it's amazing, and Presswood, uh, the, the that many people really in this little village um, were connected uh, with their taste. Obviously, things rubbed off on each other, and we turned each other on to different things. But where it started, the, the fireworks and all that was, you know, in a small village, you're pretty lucky, you know, that we um, kind of all connected on, and understood on why Mark Bolan was is sexy there, you know. <laughs> he, just, he just is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Oh, right. real detail freaks, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you know, back back to your work. Based upon what we've just talked about, and it's very difficult for you because, of course, you are the artist, and it's immensely, immensely subjective. But to someone like yeah. me, who is a crap musician, you know, and, and was in the music industry and, and learned very early on that uh, my job was to curate. Yeah, very, very badly. So I learned early on that it's my job to curate music and share music with people, and that was that's what brings yeah. me the, the greatest joy is. Is turning someone onto something and then buying it and then them thanking me. That's that's where I get my. Yeah, that, that, that's a nice buzz, isn't it? That it's... you turn them down a road of something and they really enjoy it and see the light with it. Well, especially, think, wow, yeah, especially fun. Ray, in, in this day and age, whereby you know, our growing up, there were a select few uh, media by which you would get the information. Now it's just yeah. so spread out that it's very hard for yeah. people to. to... As, as you were alluding to earlier, that. 
in 80, this is, you know, 82, 83, you know, you're bombarded with Madonna and uh, orchestral maneuvers in the dark, I don't know, and uh, grass and stuff on top of the pot. So you really had to look elsewhere to find the Iggy, the Iggy Pops and the Cramps and the birthday party and, you know, and so on. That's it. Um, you know, and it was gold dust when you found it. It was just pure gold dust. It was. I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I consider it the same thing. It's like unicorn shit. And, and I was lucky. I would not have had these outlets had I not had uh, the so-called gang of lads on the street where I'd uh, hang out with them being three and four years their junior, but they tolerated me and let me listen to the records that they'd be picking up every weekend. And that was my education combined with listening to late night radio and being late for school the next morning. That was the only way I could really get my fill of what was going on. Well, would that be, well, not Radio Caroline or John Peel. I mean, John Peel. That's it. A... Any pirate radio that could pick up on medium wave I was listening to. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what, where are you from, Dara? Well, I was, I, was, I was born in Leeds. I went to Loughborough Grammar School, but most of my family are in uh, Cheshire, the northwest. So I've, I've been quite nomadic, to be frank, Ray. But northwest is well, my home. It, I mean, we we, we, we well with it uh, hypnotic. We played up that way quite a bit. I don't know if you ever came to any of the games. Oh yeah, I've seen. I, I, I was doing journalism then. Is that what you were, were you writing for? Any of the maybe No, I wasn't. I wasn't writing. I was always sort of interested in the music industry, but I'm 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 really sort of a marketing and sales guy, and I got into the music industry as as PR and sales and marketing. Um, oh, right. way back when but but my, my, my love of you was not industry related I think I've seen the band seven times in total over the years which is oh, wow. it's, it's not a lot but it's I think it's about four or five different cities and uh, I've very very you know, I've got very fond you know. memories and, and I've been uh, you know searching out the underground and finding little old bands like us you know yeah and being, like, and being on my uh, own as you said I was I was on, on my own <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and it was a, it was a lovely time for me, and you were you, you know you you were a bit... with, the, with fans who have followed us for a long time as well. There's many people. Like, there's a girl called Megumi from Japan. She's she, you know she was there from the off, and she's to this day you know her passion. She loves the hypnotics and everything. It's just it's quite incredible, you know. Yeah. People... Well, you've left an indelible mark with the people that really care, and and and, and, and to take that a step further. On a, on a on a fan per capita basis, I'd probably say Seattle is, is where you're the most popular on a per capita per capita basis. Yeah, because there was, there was a connection, obviously, with yeah. the situation too. Did a deal with Sub Pop. That's I, it. I, think, I believe we were the first English band to be signed onto Sub Pop, and of course, I think, but I'm not sure. But don't comment it. But I think, um, and then of course, we when we played the states, we we play with Tad and yes. Ron and Mud Honey. Um, you know, the, even the beginnings of, uh, well, I mean, it's funny because the parallel to 1986, you had Kurt and Mark Arm from Mud Honey and all those guys, and Mark Lanigan and so on and so on, all doing their first incarnations, because all roughly the same age, you know, around, you know, between 48 and 53, 4 or whatever. Mm. It, you know, doing their incarnation at the same time is a mirror thing of their love of, their love of their American stuff, like blue cheer that we like, it's always the grass is greener, you know, how the Stones love American blues. Yes. And then and then, and then they love, they went, I used to hang out with Mark Arm, and they'd come around my flat with Courtney Love, actually, at points. There was a point where, where we were hanging out, and he'd be like, oh, I've just got to go down Port Bell, I've got to go get some Sham 69 records, I've got to go, you know, <laughs> their love of English punk. Yeah. And our love of their muscular rock and roll, like blue cheer, etc., and 
the Stooges. Um, it's funny how it works, you know, there's a mirror, uh, kind of almost mirror, but opposite thing going on, almost at the same time on the underground. Obviously, Sub Pop really kicked off, didn't it? Yeah. When everything broke uh, internationally, mainstream-wise, but... That was going on a long time before that happened, all that sub-pop stuff. Oh, there was a lot of, lot of sub-pop action before the, the big Geffen stuff happened. Yeah, there was an awful lot yeah, of good, yeah. good work going on before. An actual... band, Mother Love Bone, Green River, the previous incarnations of those bands. Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam coming from Mother Love Bone. Yeah, it was, it was a very, yeah. very vibrant It was a very vibrant scene. It was probably the only scene that was comparable to a Manchester and, uh, and Camden, really, at the time. And yeah. you, you were the only band, I think, that dipped your toe in both, both uh, paddling pools. Yeah. yeah, of course there was the Manchester scene with the Stone Roses and so on happening as well, you know, and then and the primals and so all these little pockets, located pockets, all localized, all and then you know, you know, we're doing, you know, I would, you know, it, we'd seen that we'd all have similar record collections really, but all the little outsiders, you know, we love the outsiders, the un, you know, all hail the underdogs. Well, I, I agree with you, and, and all these little nuanced details really don't get uh, referred to in the history of music, because, I mean, no. you, you alluded no. to, the, to the ecstasy scene in, in Camden be, being, well, three years prior to Man Manchester exploding, as you said, you, you, were, you were part of the, the psychedelic revival in, in, uh, in, uh, yeah. in, in Camden, so... Uh, but that doesn't get that doesn't get any credit journalistically, and I think a lot of people are missing a trick with that. It doesn't. It doesn't. We used to have people who like Ian Gittings and Edward Pouncey was very faithful in his journalism with yes. us, and and Kathy Unsworth too. People like that who recognised it, but it never it got look overshadowed quite a bit with the brick pop thing that came later, and and then the Seattle thing kicked off, but. Um, yeah, it's just the way it rolls, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, but I think those that know know. It's just not. It's not. Yeah, those it's, that know know. I mean, I, I, a lot of the time with the hypnotics, it's our peers that are, are fans of ours, but more than even an audience. We play to one man and his dog, but Bobby Gillespie, Chris Robertson, uh, Kirk Cobain, Mark Arman, you could drop names to the chasm. They they know about the hypnotics, you know. So Absolutely. it's a funny old. Thing, you know. Well, you've worked, you've worked with some big names. Scabies, you know, the older generation aware of it have done, ah, oh, these guys are carrying the torch a bit for us a lot, you know. Yeah, because as I say, they know. So, so you work with Chris. I mean, it's well, it's well documented that you work with Chris and, and, and to... That, that just seems like a, a wonderful marriage in terms of uh, history. Um, Liam yeah. Watson, Dave Goodman, but you've also done work with Jimmy Miller, which would have been superb, I would imagine. Miller, yeah. Jimmy Miller came in well. He... To be honest, he came in and did, God bless him, he came and did a remix of um, a John Leckie, uh, the Soul Glitter and Sin, the second album. Yeah. Studio album, Soul Glitter and Sin, that we did with John Leckie, which was very, you know, very reverby. It, um, and that's what we were after. I was going to offend a twin. It had that vibe. Yeah. And that's easy reverb vibe. And uh, basically, Jimmy did a remix. And it, it was kind of a move, I think, by beggars or us ourselves going just to get the name. Can we get you? But basically, he came in with his man, you know, his right hand man. And his right hand man was at the desk. And most of the time, Jimmy, the first thing Jimmy Miller said at 10 in the morning in Wilsdon Green in the studio, <laughs> where do, on Sunday mornings, where do we get a bottle of Jack Daniels from around here? He's like, oh, great. Now we're talking. Brilliant. So <laughs> a lot of the time you go, oh, I like your snake skin boots, right? Listen, let me tell you about this key story. He'd just sit there with his legs you know, up on the chair telling stone stories and going, oh, just take a bit more reverb off there, you know. And his was a dry mix, basically, of, the, of John's wet mix, if you like. 
But we spent, you know, a day just chatting to him most of the time, drinking and chatting, which was great. You know? Wow, you're just taking, taking, taking that energy from him because... I actually used to live around the corner from uh, the Mean Fiddler, so I was very close to uh, to Wilsden Green Studios, where you were. Uh... Yeah, we did it up there, Wilsden Green, on a Sunday, on a wet, miserable Sunday with Jimmy Miller. How how you know how things work out? And of course, we were aware of him with the Stones, uh, you know, the Beggars Banquet, little bit of film, you know, of him recording with them in uh, Olympic Studios and whatnot. And he's like, wow, Jimmy Miller is on our favourite Stones, you know, the best Stones albums, really, you know, most high. Beggars, sticky fingers, let it bleed. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He was involved with all, all of the best stuff, really. I couldn't um, agree more. And also, you know, there's another another kind of not 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 even a tenuous link, but you know, you work with John Lecky, and Jen, John Lecky was the catalyst John to the Stone, Stone Roses record. So there's a lot more, yeah. mo lot more behind the scenes than meets the eye. Oh yeah, it's all. It is like a, I, I was saying to a friend Cynthia from New York. Cynthia used to be in the B Girls, and she was a, you know, that was. Well, married, I think, Dad was with Steve Bates for seven years and knew Johnny Thunders very well as a very good friend hmm. um, who I met online, actually, Cynthia. And, uh, um, oh God, I forgot what I was going to say. She, she, um, we were talking about oh, the Stones and Jimmy. And oh, the family tree. It was discussing with her about if you could draw a massive family tree of all these connections, like you say, the Stone Roses, the John Lake, you know, all this family tree. It would be an amazing kind of visual thing because there's, like you say, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that journalism didn't really notice. I'm, I mean, you know, Everett True was another. Oh, yes. Thing. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it, the, the family tree, you know, not to just drop names' sake, the namesake, but the connections are all, you know, tenuous at worst, but, you know, more than tenuous, really. Um, yeah, because I've I've seen a few of these sort of infographics kicking around. I mean, creation do a family tree, factory do, and there's been do they? A, yeah. I'll I'll, 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 I'll uh, hunt them down. I'll send them to you. But there's there's never been a concise one that isn't label centric. A real wide one though, sorry. You know what I mean? A real wide one. Oh yes, that's wide. what I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying there hasn't been one. I mean, there've been these little attempts at uh, kind of insular yeah. little little ones, Localized, but insular ones, yeah. But or, I think yeah, or, or or scenes, but that scene like the Manchester scene was connected to the psychedelic London revival scene or whatever. And then that, and that was connected to some pop there. And that was, you know, you can piece it all together. In, in my... Your pussy galore scene over there. Then the Australians, the scientists, the beast of Berlin. I mean, it just goes on. Oh yeah. And then but, the, yeah, New Zealand, Dunedin, then the Australian scene and Radio Birdman. So we've got all this stuff. I, I, I liken it all to having, you know, the Olympic logo where all these sets intersect. Well, we've got yeah. we've got about we've got hundreds of scenes, but they're, they're all intersecting in their own little ways. And, and one of these days, yeah. if if I if yeah. I strike it rich and be able to be philanthropic, I'll commission a study and 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 employ the likes of yourself and some other boffins, and we'll put this bloody tree together. Yeah, man. I mean, the research would be take some work, but I'd I'd love to see it just on a massive piece of paper on something, you know, just there because it. It would. It makes complete sense, and people will be able to connect. Go, oh yeah, of course, and that and that. It'll be so I think big. Be quite intriguing. Quite um, interesting. It right? would be, and I think I think you and I would have to get into the wallpaper business because it would be a pretty big uh, reproduction. These would be, be a big family would, tree, wouldn't it? I don't know how you would graphically get it, so people. So because you know, so it was. Uh, very, you know, readable. Legible, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive undertaking. But it's lovely to talk to you about this because the only person I've, 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 I've 
heard get as enthusiastic is is Bobby about about Jimmy Miller. But when you mention him to to people that care, it's like you've been you've been touched by the hand of something. So I'm I'm really really happy for you that you had that experience to to spend a lot of quality time with him. Oh yeah. It was great with Jimmy, and of course, John. You were saying John, John. I mean, John, who'd worked with John Lennon, John yeah. Leckie, who worked with John Lennon, Pink Floyd. He was a T boy. I mean, John was great to work with, and then, and then, of course, the Stone Rose thing around the same time as us, maybe a little bit before. I think he worked with Stone Rose. I think that was the. I think he did that Made in Stone just before we did Soul Glitter and Sin down at um, Rockfield. I'm not sure which came first, but but they were they were all within about six to eight months of each other. He was very exactly. busy. I mean, he wasn't not exactly. working for a day for about five years, John Leckie, at no, that time. No, and then after that, he went on to do The Verve, with the, uh, and then the radio had the bands. I mean... <laughs> not a bad CV, is it? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. <laughs> well, yeah. in terms of a CV, I, I've been looking at your uh, SoundCloud page, and to say that it's uh, chock-a-block is an understatement. So to anyone, to all you lot listening out there, I'm going to put uh, the link in the show notes, but you've got to check out uh, got to check out Ray's SoundCloud page. It's absolutely jammed. There's 71 tracks there at the minute. And, oh, the SoundCloud, like the Halls of Babylon. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, it's just a wonderfully I'd eclectic... It's all rough, and I, I was limited to four tracks on everything. But I just for fifty. And when the hypnotic split in ninety eight, ninety nine, I just I did really pick up the guitar for four years. The divorce so it was quite hard to take. I go in there, yeah, um, because I had this family and Jim and you know and everything, and then that went away, and uh, and I was a bit lost for a while. But then I started putting myself together, and then I got the Porter studio, and I just. I just recorded just for, for therapy, really, just for the love of it and, and, and the freedom, the autonomous freedom of it all, you know, and program the drum machine to sound like John Bonham or Mitch Mitchell or mm. whatever. And I'd jam a guitar with it and add some bass, then I'll put some vocals on that, maybe bounce a bit. But it's limited to four tracks. But I thought, with no intention to give to the world, but then about two or three years ago, friends, friend, a few friends came around and I played with it and they're like, wow, this is really cool, you should... Now that with the internet, because I wasn't, I didn't even get on Facebook or have a computer till three, four years ago. Yes. I was new to it. I was, I was denying myself. That. I was, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And Jim and everyone, they were on MySpace. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I was, I was pretty recluse, that very hermetic lifestyle. Hmm. You know, on my own. And uh, but I was, but I'm, in hindsight, pretty productive. And then all that work there, I've, I've got about a thousand shoes. That eighty on SoundCloud is just a yeah, yeah. It's rough and ready, but I'm hoping to, you know, pick choice things and work as a bass from, or if not, re-record and have an official Wars of Babylon release would be great. If I only could do that, that would be fantastic. A double album. I won't start with a box set. I know people's attention spans can only take so much. <laughs> yeah, well, especially especially your newer fans, they've got the attention span of a goldfish. You got to, you can't be putting, yeah. you can't be putting that lead track on track six. You got to get them right from the get go. Yeah, yeah. There's no, and all that little detailed art and perfections. I I thought I'd worry about later. To be honest, I just randomly picked tracks and thought, oh, I'll just chuck them on sound. Like, yeah, they go on too long, some of them. Uh, but you know, I've tried to explain on the blog. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna get to that, right? There's a, you're, you're yeah. a, it's like a stream of consciousness, your sort of biog at the side. It is. It's like an inner, <laughs> my friend would say, it's like an inner, outer radio station from space or something. Yeah, like yeah, someone, someone's like connected with your inner self and, and rebroadcast it, but it's very, very cool. I, I must admit, over the course oh, of two days, 
I listened to every single track over did the you? yeah over the course of two days at work. Oh, you know, with the headphones I, on at work. I think you could just put it on and do the Uber and do your housework. And oh, do, it's, it's do brilliant. Just, because it's pretty eclectic. You know, I move from one thing to another. I just having fun. Have a oh, I'll have a go at a murder ballad something. Oh no, I'll go back to the old rocking studios thing with the drum machine. Oh, I'll have a naked country one there, or you know, a soul one there. You know. Just having fun, making stuff up. Well, that's pre pretty pretty evident for, 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 for when you listen to it. You're not only having fun, but you've got a real diverse array of talent when, when you are, you know, your musical styles, you're able to go, you, you beat me to it. You can go from a dark... I'm a, a chameleon, I know, in that respect. So yeah. I do move it around a bit. But I think there's a thread that connects it all. Oh, there's you know, no there's doubt. There's no doubt about that. But you can, be, you can be as dark as Johnny Cash and you can be as loud as the Stooges and you've got a very, very diverse array of talent. So th this, this whole project with, with, with Whores of Babylon, is it is it just primarily yourself and Elliot, or is anybody else involved? Well, it's it's just me. No, basically it's just me, and then Elliot's on about you know ten percent of it playing the really good piano. Because I met Elliot about two thousand four, two thousand five, in uh, Labrick Grove where I was living, and we he'd come round and jam after the pub. We'd have a few drinks, come round and jam, just then press record on a little tape recorder, and then eventually it evolved into the Porter Studio. We just jam in my flat. And I just hit record, yeah. And that was that's some of the stuff you got there. And then a, a couple of years later, I introduced him to Jim, and then did, well, Jim stole him away from me for the Jim Jones review, and what a marvelous <laughs> job Elliot did there on the first couple of albums of that. But mm. then Elliot left all that because he the touring and being away after a few years, and then Henry took over, you know, Henry Herbert. Mm. But um, no, I mean, Elliot is just amazing. Yeah, he's the only other real whore of Babylon. Yeah, there is one. It's really because I did the piano on some of them as well, and I did the horns and the with with a keyboard thing, and I did you know I've just been very resourceful with what I had. You know? Yeah, so it's it's, it's really fantastic. A it's, it's a it's a topsy turvy thing. Instead of starting a band and then recording, I've done all the recording on my own with a bit of help with Elliot on you know like ten percent of it, um, but. The idea really is, I'd really like to just do some little gigs with Elliot. I tell you, there's a few suitors, there's a few dudes who out there who've offered their service, some great drummers and bassists and so on, who've offered their service who want to be in the live band. Nice. Because then we'll get some of those songs and then arrange them, you know, for a live situation and then let them be free within that to do what they want within that, you know. Yeah. You know. A bit of freedom. Uh, that have the freedom. It's always it's so important that you don't uh, restrict the musician. I mean, that's why after the hypnotics, it was great because I didn't have any personalities to answer to with it. I'm completely autonomous. I just did what I want. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think you can feel that freedom on the sound on the SoundCloud song. It's just a sense of freedom. And then occasionally Elliot would come in and you know, hey, should we jam? I've got this riff. Should we jam? okay? And then we basically we wouldn't even talk about it, just hit record and do it. And that's mm. what you hear. I'm yeah. just making up lyric songs, the music, the singing as I go along on some of it, as you can hear. So I'm mumbling. I don't, I, you know, you know. And then I'll go back to it, and I've got, and in the in the meantime, I've got lyric books and stuff. I've got a lot of work to do to apply the lyrics to that, and you know. But I was getting the phrasing basically. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's lovely to listen to that stuff because. I mean, usually, usually after uh, a band's had their career, the record companies will exploit with reissues, and then you'll hear demos. Uh, but you hear them retroactively, so, so in sequence, yeah. it's lovely to hear the demos before. Yeah, the demo first. Yeah, yeah. what a concept. 
it's it's really a topsy turvy way. Yeah, you have the dem put the demos out first, and then I'll rein it all in and hopefully, you know, have a good session with a good bunch of rock and rollers and uh, knock out an official thing. You know, and uh, a double LP, a double LP, man. That's what we want. Oh, I'm after the gatefold, man. Myself. Yeah, yeah, big gatefold. It's got to be a first debut. Well, I suppose the clever thing to do is stick out an EP first and then, you know, but I don't know, rules, rules, rules. Rules, rules, and rules. Yeah, it's also you're playing for a bloody audience. But there's one thing that I, that I missed to bringing up during the course of the conversation earlier was that the, 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 the records, the official record records, you know, the studio LPs, um, yeah. The what the one thing that I love about revisiting the material is that, and you'll understand where I'm coming from with this, but they are real albums. So yeah, as, a, as complete units. Yeah, there's a story. There's almost a storyline. of soldier and Sin. I mean, it's a movie. You know, it's a movie soundtrack storyline. Yeah. It's a it's an album, and and that's what I got bought. You know, where the, you know track three, side two is a killer track. You know, yes. And it was important. It wasn't a single world, like a world of singles, and mm. it's just like you're saying, it's an album. It's an album. It's a whole thing, an entity in itself. That yeah, it's a unique, sense. unique it's snapshot. You yeah, it's a unique snapshot of where you were at that time, and there's not one of the tracks seem out of place. And it's it's you could imagine at the time, for instance, take any given album, and they say, look, you've got to take three singles off this. Then you've got to record three B-sides yeah. per single. Then you start making compromises, don't you? Yes, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, that's really how it works. The, the regulars and us discussing, like, well, which one would be a single? But we were free to knock out just an album. Because, you know, as you did yourself, Dara, you know, people of our generation, you'd listen to albums in their entirety. Yes. You know, put on Sticky Fingers or Exxon Main Street, double album. You, you put it on. And that's the thread. It, it wasn't, um, and Zeppelin, I mean, Zeppelin did that with albums. They never had a single, did they, Zeppelin? Not not officially, yeah. I think they, they had the... Sort of officially, but they were forced to have one. And for the I US market. kind of theory behind Vegas choosing with hypnotic things. Well, which one would be the single then, you know? <laughs> Maybe, and then it's got to be a radio idea because we do have a tendency to waffle on because we're enjoying ourselves too much. That long three minutes guitar solo outro and all that. Yes, know? yes. <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, but back to my point. It's just lovely to listen to, to records that are a complete set and, and and I'm hoping that, that you get your wish and that you get these uh, these lads and uh, possibly lasses together and, and be, able to make the, be able to make this record because uh, just, just by what I've heard, there's room for three or four flipping gatefold records here. So. Oh, there is. Yeah, box sets, man. I, I, thank you. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope to realise it. I hope to. And it was great to play last Sunday with Jim. And it was the first gig I've done in a year. And the, and the one before that was Nick Marsh's tribute memorial thing. So it was only three or four songs. A song yeah. I wrote with him and a couple of covers again. And uh, really, apart from All Night Long on Sunday, it was covers. But it was great to play in the brother, brotherhood and friendship. was... Camaraderie is great. It must be lovely. If I'm on a personal level, I'm just I'm just chuffed here because it just sounds like it's. I forgive you for saying this, but you, you've got you're getting your life back. It's great. Yeah, it really does. It really does mean a lot. It's great to unite once again in that way. And and with the forthcoming hypnotics reunion, that, that only has transpired in the last six months because I'm mixing an album in the same way I've done with the Sand Club with the Whores. Yeah, I'm mixing an album here 
um, to to of because of, I was kind of the archivist, you know. At the port studio, I went home with the master tape, you know, from from recordings, jams. But I've got the demos, the outtakes from Christopher Speed Machines, and everything. oh, I've got some. De- I've got from '86 to '99. I've got all sorts of stuff. I've got brand new songs, uh, double albums worth that people haven't heard, hypnotic songs. That, are, that yeah, the recording quality is not going to be the best because they're they're either really well recorded rehearsals and things added on or they're or they're actually were done at the time there's none from sober and said but come down there there's there's some from all different periods there's even stuff me and jim did from 85 86 so with this oddities rarities lost for thing that yes. bang, bang, bang records in spain are hoping to do i mean i, I don't know how much i should say really but there should hopefully be that product as well as Beggars, our old label, who are up for doing a box set. Oh. So both things, both different things will come out around the end of the year, hopefully, maybe the beginning of next, and we'll tour it and do a European tour and blah, 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 you know, big push. That, that is magic. We'll get on the blower to Sub Pop and see if they can get you over here because <laughs> you'll be loving to see you on this oh, side. Yeah, I mean, we're hoping if things go well and momentum that we will be able to great play the States again, you know. Um, but really, we're just trying to get the European, UK and European four week kind of tour thing or something like that. You know, no big shakes, but there will be a box set by beggars coming out and then this other thing of rarities and oddities brilliant um, around the same time and everything can ride on the slipstream do its thing and chuck it in the wall see what happens <laughs> that's a good that's a very it's a very good attitude and, and i'm personally really really chuffed because to, to the, i know that beggars will do a good job of the box set hearing that these oh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i'll turn back bang that really uh one who runs that one and go very uh uh, I've, I've given him 10 tries. He seems quite enthusiastic about what he's heard. He said, right, this, this is going to be all right. Keep him coming, Ray. Keep him. But I've had a breakdown my CD burner because I'm going from analog. I'm, yes. I'm taking from tape cassettes, you know, small cassettes on a portal studio. Yeah. And then transferring to a CD burner or Audacity or whatever to digital, then to computer file, then wave them over. You know, that's the thing. And then they'll be mastered from that. And then, boom, there's your, there's your album. You Brilliant. Know, there's your double. Lost fourth hypnotics album, you know. Well, I'll be, I'll be loving, loving to hear that when that when that does come out. I've got a couple of questions left, left because you've been just absolutely Sorry, fantastic. No, no, I could, I could talk to you all day, mate. I really could. But being, being that we're going to be doing a, obviously a feature on the program, giving you an opportunity to curate your own songs. So, uh, I, I think it's fair to say I'm going to play, I'm going to play all night long for, 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 the, for the, for the listeners. But do you want, to, do you want to pick a couple of tunes that you'd like me to play? What, a hypnotic stream? Yeah, yes. Yeah. No, your own material. Forget anyone else. Um, well, gosh, um, let's have a think. Um, well, um, well, I mean, ha- how many have I got to pick to choose? How about, how about a couple, Ray? Just pick a couple. A couple. Yeah. A couple. And they sh- should they be just hypnotic ones, not Halls of Babylon? They can be either or. As long as it's you. As long as you're on it, then, then I'll play it. Well, gosh, and, and, and you'll just fade it out when you need to if anything's too long and all that. You'll do all that business. Oh, don't, don't you worry about that. But uh, your, your, yeah. your work needs to be listened to in its entirety. Um, well, maybe it should be one from each thing, one from the hypnotics. Maybe let's try, let's, let's go with maybe, I don't know, do you have access to maybe nine times? Yes, I've, yeah, I've, got, everything, I've got everything. So, yeah, we'll play nine times. Superb. Nine, nine times and... Um, 
I'm just trying to think of a one that's feasible from what's a Babylon thing that uh, um, sort of thing it shouldn't really be a cover shoe is I think 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 no, um, don't put pressure on yourself I don't know, man. Actually, there's so many. God, I don't know. Hustle and Flow, maybe that funky one would have more. That 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 would. That's kind of a unique track. Yeah. So I'll pencil and hustle and flow, and I've got nine times. I'm going to be playing uh, all night long, and then we'll see where that takes us. Sure. And if you want to substitute one, I just choose my own way. Came into my head there. Oh, okay. Yes. I've got one. I've got one on the bench in case there's an injury. That's great. Yeah, um, in case there's an injury, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. I've got one last question to you, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with with your talent and, and, and your work. It's it's what I ask everybody. I'm uh, I'm putting oh not putting together. I have put together a uh, it's kind of a, a a magic biscuit tin chart. So I, I I say hypothetically, you're around my place. You've just you played a gig here. Crack the kettle on. Bring around the biscuit tin, and it's a magic biscuit tin, Ray. And I say. By virtue of its being magic, you can choose any biscuit on God's green earth. What would you choose? A song? No, bis no a biscuit. Like It's a magic biscuit tin. Oh, a biscuit. Oh, uh, well, gosh. Oh, right. And you'd well, be amazed. Uh, you'd be amazed how this, this question stumps so many people because biscuits are serious business. Well, I, I know what you mean because a childhood biscuit, I always, I, those bourbon, chocolate bourbon ones. Yeah, the chocolate bourbons. Yeah, you can't go wrong with those dipping in your tea. Yeah, one of those, and but but I did go to a I don't know, the chocolate hobnobs are terrible, but they'd be a terrible constipation if you eat a packet or two at a time. <laughs> yeah, you have to put the caveat if you eat a packet <laughs> or three. <laughs> that was horrible. Well, yeah, yeah, now we're talking biscuits, yeah, those, uh, those coconut maroon ones that Kipling did, and way back, almond slices, I mean, it goes on. Okay, yeah. well, that's it, but, but that's... that's... Well, that's the conundrum, though, Ray. You've got to choose one, and that's what people have a real difficulty in doing. It's like, well, yeah. I like all these biscuits, but I can't. I'm putting you down for a bourbon, unless I hear back yeah, from you I'm otherwise. Put it down for a bourbon. Fantastic. Admit, if you ever get a chance to try those gazillion air jobs, they're pretty good. I, I must say that I've, I've, I've never tried them, but to... in here. there are other products available. Chris, <laughs> brought brought to you by. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm going to drop you a line uh, after after this is all done and dusted, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll dig out those family trees for you as well, and uh, I'll I'll be in touch imminently. And Ray, thank you, sir. You've been a diamond. Oh, cheers, Dara. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for highlighting, you know, our little uh, our staff, our the, things, the wonderful world of the hypnotics and and surrounding empires. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. Oh, thank you, Dara. Thanks so much. Cheers. Nice to talk to you, man. Take care. Bye. God bless, Dara. Bye. Bye. Mr. Ray Sonic Hansen, thank you very much. What a wonderful chit-chat that was. It was a bit of a marathon, but now you know everything there is to know about the hypnotics and uh, Ray's projects, including Whores of Babylon and uh, some forthcoming uh, reissues, some goodies in terms of stuff that's been hiding in a vault somewhere. There's a reunion. There's all kinds of stuff going on, and it's all wonderful. You can uh, source Ray's material. You can go to his SoundCloud uh, page, which is uh, soundcloud.com slash Ray hyphen Hanson uh, hyphen Sonic hyphen Hawes. And that's where uh, the track I'm going to play for you, the last track, uh, the third track that Ray himself uh, chose, uh, I'm going to be playing uh, 
Hustle and Flow, uh, which is actually right at the at the footer of uh, of all of the releases that uh, Ray has uploaded to the SoundCloud page, ranging from uh, demos to jam sessions to just ideas. It's a wonderful listen. I cracked on the headphones uh, a couple of times last week and listened to everything all in a row, and it was uh, wonderfully eclectic, but uh, obviously thematic and applicable to, to, to Ray himself, and also source uh, Ray's uh, Facebook page and the Facebook pages uh, for, for the band as well. Uh, all these URLs will, of course, be in the show notes. I'm going to leave you this week with this particular track that uh, that Ray chose from said SoundCloud repository. We're going to hear Hustle and Flow. I guess the hustle and flow, baby. Spit some rhymes and let it go.
jam there that uh, he suggested I share with you, which I did. Um, and so ends another episode of Near Perfect Pitch. Thanks to all of you for listening. Please do spread the word, nearperfectpitch.com and all of the usual uh, placeholding social media portals and all that business. Do spread the word. If you love the show, it's much, much appreciated. I'll be back next week uh, with uh, Pat Fish from the, the Jazz Butcher as our feature interview amongst loads and loads of other goodies. Ta-ra!